0: Today on Better News Radio with Pastor Ricky Alcantad. When the gospel comes in and renews us, it doesn't just change one part of our life. Often as Christians in America, we think of our life, I've heard people articulate faith this way, like, you know, my faith is an important part of my life, or my faith is a very important part of my life. And I think biblically, scripture says, no, it can't be. It can't be a important part of your life. Your relationship with God becomes all of life.
1: some kind of sickness it can be easier to treat the symptoms but not rid yourself of the disease it's frustrating because even though you're curing some of the immediate discomforts you know that there's a deeper issue at the root of it all this is how it is with the world around you too there are many grievous hurts and struggles amongst the people that you're around but today pastor ricky mentions how important it is to have a heart for people and their deeper need for jesus jesus is the cure Let's join Pastor Ricky in the Book of Acts, Chapter 1, as he begins his message, Gospel Renewal.
0: Let's open up God's Word. We're going to be in the Book of Acts, Chapter 1. The Book of Acts, Chapter 1. Now, when I was 19 years old, I moved to Washington, D.C. for one year in the middle of college. And there were a lot of things I loved about living in D.C., in the D.C. area. I loved seeing that there are places in the country where green things sort of naturally grow (laughs) instead of you having to like beg and prod and pray over them um, to stay alive. I I loved getting to see uh, all the historical stuff in that area. I loved a lot of it. But I began, especially as I drove around the D.C. area, I began to have a worsening, claustrophobic feeling because I grew up in El Paso, and I love being from El Paso, and if you get like 20 feet high, you can see into another country and 20 miles down the road. But in, in Maryland and Virginia, you can't see, like especially when you're on the highway, you can't see more than like 10 feet off the, the shoulder. Uh, even if you see a field, it's like a 200 foot long field and then that's it. And so I began to have this growing panic that I did not know where I was, where I had come from, or where I was even going. And so I took to asking people, so is that north from here, or south, or, you know? And they would just look at me like, why do you need to know the direction? And in my heart, I'm like, because I need it! I need to know! Like, where am I in relationship? Because in El Paso, you like, are over here, you see the mountain, you say, oh, I'm driving over there, and then you drive over there. And you say, I'm gonna drive back there, and you just drive, like, you can see where you're going, but not there, not there. Now, we had this one weekend where they they were like, oh, we're gonna go hike the mountain. And I'm like, I'm not seeing a mountain. Well, the mountain turned out to be like a few hundred feet high. It's more of a small hill. Calling it a hike up the mountain would be too generous. It was a walk up the mountain. But finally, we walked up this mountain, and you could, for a glorious few minutes, actually see around you. I remember the feeling of looking out and thinking, There's our cars. There's the next town. There's another town. Oh, that town is next to that town, right? And you see everything, and for this one glorious moment, you know where you are, where you've been, and where you're going. And that, I believe, is a need for us even as Christians. We get so wrapped up in the day-to-day of life. We are in a constant cycle of getting the kids dressed for school, of workplace deadlines, of the next Netflix show, the grocery shopping, doctor's appointments. And even in the church, it's a constant cycle of you know, getting out the door late to church and then having a short conversation and then forgetting to follow up with somebody and then trying to sign up for a Bible study and forgetting to reply when your serving team leader asked if you could serve and then you see him and you're like, ooh, you know, um, sorry, I didn't email back. You know, all of that, that's just where we live, but we need to know where are we? Where have we come from? Where are we going? That's why we need vision. We need to see now, perhaps the most famous verse in the Bible about vision is often misapplied, though. Proverbs twenty nine eighteen says in the King James Version, where there is no vision, the people perish. Now, I've heard this at times used by people to kind of say, What's your vision for your life? If you don't have a vision for your life, you're going to die. You know, people need vision. And you're like, whoa, okay. And so sometimes what happens is we come like to the Lord and say, here's my vision for my life, Lord. I want you to bless it. But that's actually the opposite of what the verse means. The English Standard Version, among others, translates this in a particular way. It says, where there is no prophetic vision, the people cast off restraint, but blessed is he who keeps the law. That prophetic vision is not like crystal ball vision. Prophetic meaning the scripture itself, the words spoken by the prophets and written down for us, where there is no biblical vision in a sense. People perish, people cast off restraint. When we don't see life through the lens of God's word and what he is calling us to do, we wander off into sin. We get lost in a sense. So true vision is not saying, Lord, this is what I wanna do with my life. True vision is found in saying, Lord, what does your word say my vision for my life is? What is your vision for life and how can I participate in that? So we're gonna talk a lot today about our vision statement as a church, but I want you to hear that in the context that we don't wanna arrive and tell God what we wanna do. We wanna show up and ask the Lord, Lord, what do you want us to do? And we wanna be faithful to that. And so in just a moment, we're gonna share that vision statement in the context of the word, but I want you to hear that's, that's hopefully drawn from scripture in our attempt to articulate what is God calling us to do in this church, in this city right now? Let's begin though by looking at Acts chapter one. This will set the stage for everything else we talk about. Acts chapter one, verse six. This is God's holy word. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, Well, our elders began to see a need to articulate what we believe the Lord has called us to do and what's our hopeful prayer through our ministry as a church. What do we wanna see as a result of our church's ministry? Our mission statement for a long time as a church has been we exist to make disciples and that's from Matthew 28. It couldn't be any clearer. That really should be everybody's mission statement. Go therefore and make disciples. But that doesn't answer the question, well, what do we long to see the Lord do through that disciple-making work? That disciple-making is sort of the, the ground-level view of like making this disciple and that disciple, but looking out kind of from the mountain, what do we long to see the Lord do? So prayerfully offered, this is our attempt to articulate what we believe the Lord has called our church to in this church, in this city at this time. Here this is our vision statement: "We long to see gospel renewal." that has three sections there I want you to notice. First, we long to see gospel renewal. We long to see the gospel come and bring life to those around us to see them renewed. Only the gospel can ultimately do that. But when the gospel renews our hearts, it brings renewal in many other areas. And while a full renewal of all things is only gonna come in heaven, We see in the Bible and in our world many glimpses of of gospel renewal as families and marriages and workplaces and communities and businesses are transformed by this renewing work and the implications of the gospel. And then we long to see that gospel renewal ripple outward to far beyond us. We long to see it to the end of the earth and Guatemala and Spain and India. And we believe that we are uniquely positioned as a church to see that happen. So let me ask and answer three questions today. First... Why gospel renewal? Why is that the thing that we're longing to see? Now, people uh, often talk in our world today about urban renewal, renewing the city, or societal renewal, renewing our society, or, or even physical renewal, and say, this is the thing that if you could fix this, we'd all be happy. But we are longing for a different kind of renewal, a better kind of renewal, In Acts 1, Jesus commissions his people, he tells them that the spirit will come, empower them, and that they will change. When the spirit comes, something will happen to them. They will be transformed to be witnesses. Now, that's so important. Our task as Christians is to be witnesses. It's not to come up with a new message, to invent a message, to improve a message. To be a witness is to tell what you have felt and seen and experienced, right? If you're a witness in a court case, you're just telling what you experienced. These disciples had experienced who Jesus was and what he had done, and the Lord says now, you're not just gonna keep that to yourself. You will be a witness of that work, sharing the good news of who Jesus is and what he's done with others. Now, why is that the thing that Jesus commissions them to do? Look, it's not as though Jesus could not see the poverty of the world, or the societal and relational brokenness of the world or all of these kind of destructive forces in the world, why would he pick that task for his people? Because the gospel is the solution to our greatest need. Our greatest need goes deeper than healthcare and education levels and income and relationship status. All of us were made for something. More specifically, we were all made for someone. We were made to be in relationship with God, to live under his good and generous and just rule. But humanity turned away. We chose injustice and sin and rebellion against God. And and this has led to all kinds of brokenness in the world, not only in our relationship with God, but our relationship with one another and even our relationship to the world around us with sin enters death. We see immediately where it had not existed before, what comes into the world is thorns and viruses and cancer and in relationships you find conflict and war and divorce and racism and the Lord sees all of these things Our sins against one another and against him, and justice and judgment are coming for those who are unjust. Therefore, our greatest need is to be reconciled back to God, to have our sins paid for, to have our relationship with God restored, and eternity for each human being hinges on that. But the good news is that Jesus has sent his witnesses into the world to proclaim this gospel, which means good news. John 3.16 says that God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him would not perish, but have eternal life, right? That new life, that is true renewal. And the only way to find that kind of deep, permanent, eternal renewal is through the work of Jesus and God giving his son in our place for our sins. John Piper, who has done a lot of work in other areas like, like racism, cares deeply about many issues. He articulates it this way. We are, as Christians, to care about all suffering, especially eternal suffering. It's not as that we ignore the needs of the world around us, but we say there is an, a need underneath those needs. The gospel is a solution to our greatest need, but then we see that the gospel changes us. Scripture says that when we repent and believe the gospel, we, in a sense, die to our old life and are given a new life. And that new life is Paid for by the blood of Jesus. And we are reconciled and restored to God. And God sends his spirit into our hearts. You see that even in Acts 1. He sends his spirit into our hearts to renew us, to change us from the inside out. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says this, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, meaning anyone believed in Jesus, he is a new creature or a new creation. The old things have passed away. behold, New things have come. We fundamentally change when we become Christians. It's not as though like, well, okay, I'm kind of into this self-help thing and I'm kind of into this thing and now I'm gonna kind of be into Christianity. No, it's a fundamental reordering of the deepest parts of who we are. A renewal that we could not work in ourselves but only the Lord can work in us. And when we repent and believe By the power of the Spirit, we are being transformed. Man, the Lord goes to work on us. But Romans 12 reminds us that it is something we are also to participate in. So it's something done in us and something we participate in. And when that happens, oh, church, it changes everything. When the gospel comes in and renews us, it doesn't just change one part of our life. Often as Christians in America, we think of our life, I've heard people articulate faith this way, like, you know, my faith is an important part of my life, or my faith is a very important part of my life. And I think biblically, scripture says, no, it can't be. It can't be a important part of your life. Your relationship with God becomes all of life. That renewing work changes everything else about you. More than just an hour and a half at church on the weekend, it changes every day from Monday to Saturday to Sunday and everything in between. And when it happens, oh church, it ripples out. It ripples out and changes everything. Let me just give you a few examples that we see in the New Testament. In Ephesians 5, we see that when the gospel comes, to hearts, the gospel renews marriage. Marriage is to be a place where husbands and wives don't fight one another but serve one another and, and serve one another without a demand to be served by one another. In Ephesians 6, we see gospel renews families where parents are called to patience and not anger and training and love, not indifference. In Colossians 3, we see the gospel renews our work so that work even done unto a terrible boss is work done as unto the Lord. In Romans 12, we see the gospel renews our approach to conflict. So we are sent out as peacemakers to live at peace with everyone. We're not trying to win arguments. We're trying to win people. Everything changes. You know, I've been involved with a, a ministry a group of ladies that had on their heart a desire to, because of what Jesus has done for them, to serve the city as an expression of the love of Jesus. And so the way they decided to do it was through kind of a nonprofit community cafe that's still around. It's called the Mustard Seed Cafe. And the idea was that if you can pay full price for a meal, great. If you can't pay, whatever you can pay is great. If you can't pay anything, you can even volunteer in exchange for a meal. And so there was a guy who right before this had been homeless, had found some housing, he started coming and he didn't have money so he began to volunteer in exchange for a meal. But what he experienced among the Christians that work there was a genuine love, a genuine care, right? And Jesus began to change him in powerful and unique ways. And eventually, this brother got his food handler's license through, as much as he does this, they'll pay for people to get their food handler's license if they can't pay for themselves, so that they can help serve food. And all of a sudden, something began to happen. He began to change even as an employee. He would say he got fired from lots of jobs before that, but he began to change, and he all of a sudden has a food handler's license. He's got some work experience, and he got a job, that paid money, a real job at another place. And we got to watch kind of this transformation. And why did that happen? Because the gospel changed some ladies' hearts and their desire was to see other people experience the love of Jesus that they had experienced. And it went to work on this man and began to change all of these areas of his life. Church, that is what our city needs fundamentally. Now, the gospel doesn't make us, okay, well, we don't care about poverty. We don't care about joblessness. No, we care deeply about those things, and we care even more about the need underneath those needs. On an ultimate level, the most broken parts of our human experience can only change fully and deeply and eternally through the gospel, And as this ripples out, Christians become better employees, more generous helpers in the city, more loving parents through that renewing work. That is why we long to see gospel renewal. Why gospel renewal in this city? Well, we have been sent to this city. That's why this city. In Acts 1, Jesus commissions his disciples to go where? To go to the city in which they already find themselves. He doesn't start and say, okay, listen, in Jerusalem, I don't know if you guys remember this, but they killed me, so go somewhere else. Go to Egypt or Rome, you know, go to a big population center, go to someplace famous. No, 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 he says, start where you are. And what happens, they, they stand up, Peter preaches the gospel and thousands are saved and those people stay for at least a long season in that city, reaching that city more and more are added daily as they tell others about Jesus. Acts 17 is a text that I hadn't applied to this, but I was talking to Andres this week, and he was pointing out that in Acts 17, 26, Paul makes an interesting comment about God. Paul says that God appoints a time and place for each person to live. We can like know that, you know, on a, Big level, like, of course, yeah, God you know, knows those things. But apply it specifically to these disciples. That means that the people Jesus is commissioning, God had sent them out of all time and all places to that city at that time because he had a purpose and a plan for them. That was their Jerusalem. That was where they were to start. Now, obviously the gospel's not gonna stay there, it's gonna spread, but that is where they start. And church, here's what I want you to see. The implication is that you are here because the Lord has sent you here. You did not just end up here. You know, some of you are like, I don't even know how I ended up here, but here I am. Uh, Some of you were born here and you're thinking, no, 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 I was meant for the bright lights of Los Angeles, Lord, why you missed, you like undershot it. I mean, I understand the world's spinning, but I got thrown into the wrong place, you know? Or, or I'm, I'm meant to be by a beach, Lord, you don't understand. I can't live without the ocean, Lord, you know? And I've talked to also a lot of military people, and essentially the reason you are here is because you're legally obligated to be here and you will end up in jail if you're not. So that's always a motivation to do anything, a good motivation. But here's what I want you to see, okay? Whether the U.S. Army has sent you here, your parents happened to live here, your job moved you here, however you got here, you are not here by accident. It is not a mistake that you are here. We do not just live here. We are sent here. In John 20, verse 21, Jesus appears to his disciples after his resurrection, and he tells his disciples this, as the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. The Lord's purpose and trajectory for each gospel-renewed Christian is that they are sent to be an agent of gospel renewal through the proclamation of the gospel and service of their community wherever he has called them and God desires gospel renewal in our city. If we could talk to Paul and be like, guess what? There's a whole other continent across an ocean and the middle of that continent, there's a desert. In the middle of that desert, there's some people. I don't even know why they live there, but they're there. And Paul would say, that's pretty much the end of the earth, yeah, that's what I had in mind. (laughs) Somehow, in God's plan, we are part of this ripple of gospel renewal that's been rippling through the world since Acts chapter one. And Peter, the guy who stood up and and who received this commission and then stood up and preached in Acts two, writes this later in 2 Peter three. He says, the Lord is patient toward you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. Meaning this, the Lord desires to save. He desires for the gospel to be proclaimed even to the end of the earth. He desires that people come to know, to repent and believe and to know the love of God. And that is true of those in our city as well.
1: Thanks for joining us today for Better News Radio. Pastor Ricky has been sharing some thoughts on the important components that should be a part of any church's vision. These things are like the meat and potatoes of what a church stands on, and incorporating these elements help a church grow and thrive. Like with anything that's growing, you need the proper nutrients to foster the ability to become stronger. Some of these nutrients are the willingness to know and share the gospel with others. This might seem intimidating to some, but be assured that no matter what your knowledge or experience is, as a Christian you are equipped to tell others about Jesus. If you're listening and are unsure what it means to be a Christian, that's okay. We're glad that you joined us today, and we hope that you'll continue to seek out a greater understanding of what it means to be a follower of Jesus. On our website, betternewsradio.com, you'll find a variety of past teachings from Pastor Ricky. In addition to that, you can look at the welcome video from Pastor Ricky that explains more about the good news of Jesus Christ. All that and more is on our website. Again, that's betternewsradio.com. As we wrap up our time today, we want you to know that if you have any questions about this teaching or what it means to be a Christian, you can give us a call at 915-562-7100. That's 915-562-7100. We hope that you'll tune in again to hear more from the Vision Series right here on Better News Radio.